Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. We're in Matthew 25 today. I thought this is a good time to go into a parable. I love the parables of Jesus because they're just so cool. You know, I can understand things of the kingdom because he uses things we already understand to explain it. But this, before we get into the parable of the talents, the place I used to work at, I used to manage radio equipment. We had this inventory of radio gear, and there's this woman that called me. She said, a very expensive piece of gear is missing from your inventory, and it's worth a lot of money, and we need to find it. And I knew she was an unbeliever because she always argued with me, and she didn't want to be accountable to God. And so I I, I always tried to find a way to, to, to play her a little bit to try to get her into understanding something. So I said, okay, so we need to find this piece of gear. She says, yes, we need to find it. I said, why? She goes, because it's lost. And I said, well, so what if it's lost? She goes, well, we have to find it. I said, yeah, but why do we have to find it? She goes, because it's worth a lot. And I said, so what if it's worth a lot? Company has a lot of money. Let them buy another one. (laughs) She goes, no, we have to find it because somebody has to pay for it. And I'm like, ooh, this is getting good. And I said, well, who cares if somebody has to pay for it? And she goes, Ray, what I'm trying to say is somebody needs to be accountable. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. And she goes, just find it. And she hung up. She knew what I did to her. (laughs) She knew where I was taking it without saying a word hardly. So I found it, and I said, here it is. We got it. She goes, thanks. <laughs> and so there's going to be a little of that in the story today about accountability. Accountability, when I think of accounting, I think of numbers. And I think of, you know, you're responsible for this. And, and when, once you're responsible for it, it goes in a ledger and your record is kept that you have this. And we're going to see some of that play out. But there's some people that don't want to be accountable. But let's go into it. As we go into Matthew 25, it's called the parable of the talents. Now, I thought about bringing some tennis balls in here and juggling for you to show you my talent, but that's not the kind of talent we're talking about here, okay? (laughs) I could have done that, but it would have taken a little too much time. But one talent, it is a measurement of money. Also, it is also weight. So you can have it mean weight or money like the British pound. It's a unit of money, but in America, it's also 16 ounces. So, but a talent was equal to 20 years' wages that an average worker made. So take whatever you make times 20, and that was probably like what a talent would be. Now, if you had, say, maybe five talents, maybe 10 talents worth of silver or gold, you were pretty rich. Chances are you were probably a millionaire. And so Jesus was going to explain 
the kingdom of God by using business terminology to help his disciples understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so he uses this terminology about a talent in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 and 14. This is Jesus talking. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Okay, so you've got this businessman. He expected his servants to invest his money while he was away. He expected it. Not only did he expect it, he demanded it, but he wanted to make some kind of gain. And notice that whose money was it? Was it the servant's money? No, it was his money. It belonged to him. It was not theirs. That's something I really want to drive home today. When you're a steward of things, it doesn't belong to you. It belonged to the master. But he also gave to each one according to his own ability. This means that these three men were given what they were well capable of handling. You don't look at the master and say, you overburdened me. The master would say, no, I gave you what I know you're capable of doing. So he gave them what they could do. He did not overburden them. Matthew 25 and 16. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, right there in verse 18, that word money in the original Greek language, in the original text is Argarian, which I hope I'm saying right. Argarian, which means silver. Apparently, he gave them silver. He gave them Argarian, silver. And so the master gave these men lots and lots of silver, more than most people could actually afford. He, he gave them so much to invest with. Two of the men doubled. They made 100% profit. They doubled it back, doubling what they were given. They really got out there, and they really pushed it. But the third guy did absolutely nothing. He decided, I'm not doing this. Dug a hole, put it in the ground. He, he didn't even try to make an effort. He could have at least tried, at least make an effort. Matthew 25 and 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Guys, what a picture. You know, for that much money, let's say I drop $5 million in your lap and I called that few things. Would you think of that as a few things? You think, man, that's more money I've ever seen in my life. 
You know, when the master says, I'm giving you all this, and he calls that few, what do you think eternal life's going to look like? It's going to be big, (laughs) okay? So the servants, they had this understanding already that whenever the master came back, he was going to give them a portion of the profits they made. So let's say I made a business deal with you. You take this money and go work it up. And however much profit you make is going to determine how much reward you get. Would that not motivate you? It would me. They would both share in the wealth together. And that would be a real motivator to get out there and really work hard. This is what you call a profit sharing plan. (laughs) I have a great profit sharing plan for you. If you get a whole lot, well, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a whole lot. I'd be thinking about that as I went out there going, man, I'm really going to work this. I'm going to work this good because I will stand to get a lot. So, motivation. It's kind of like these furniture salesmen that work by commission. They get paid a percentage according to how they perform. You perform well, you get rewarded well. They knew the size of their reward would depend on how much work they did with their master's wealth. It's not theirs, it's the master's wealth. But the third servant, he apparently didn't get it. You ever seen these people? They just don't get it. It's like, you're not getting it. Remember in the, Back to the Future? Hello, McFly. Anybody home? <laughs> Think, McFly. <laughs> he didn't get it. He totally missed the entire point because he did absolutely nothing with the talent he was given. But why? That's why I, what I want to know. Why? What was behind the reason why he did nothing? He tries to give his answer, which is actually an excuse. He makes his excuse in Matthew 25, 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Oh, now he's acting like it's his. Okay, what's really going on here? He claimed that he was afraid of the master because the master was so well known and so powerful. His business reached far and wide. Everybody knows him. It's like, you're so powerful, I'm, I'm kind of scared of you, is what he said. But that's not really the reason why he hid the talent. The real reason why he hid the talent is because that servant never believed that the master was coming back. He never thought he'd actually come back. If he truly believed the master was returning, then he would have been working hard to make profit before the master got back. If he was truly afraid of this man, he'd be thinking, I better have a profit before he gets back or I'm in trouble. So this, this thing, I was scared of you, that's baloney. That's an excuse. He would have been working hard. He did not believe the master's promise that he would return. And so the reason he buried the talent in the hole is because he wanted to keep the whole talent for himself. If he had taken that talent and gone down to a bank or some other business group, and invested it there, then that talent would have become registered into a ledger by the accountants, and then that talent would have become accounted for in the master's name, not in his own name. He didn't want it in anybody else's name. He wanted the whole thing in his own name. So he started treating that talent like it was his. If he put it in investment, 
it becomes accountable. And he didn't want it to be accountable. And so by rejecting accountability, he thought he could take the whole thing for himself. But surprise, the master actually came back. (laughs) Okay? He didn't believe he would, but he did. And so to get out of trouble and to try to make the master look like a fool, because he thought the master was an idiot. Guys, you don't get that rich by being stupid, okay? This master understands how the game works. He knows when he's being played. He cooks up this story by claiming, I was so afraid of your power. No, if you were afraid of his power, you'd have been out there doing something. You'd have been working. He would have been doing what the master commanded. He would have been obedient, but he wasn't. The truth is, he never believed the master would return, and so he thought he could take the whole talent for himself, but to do it, he had to avoid the accountability. That's why he put it in the hole. Matthew 25 and 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. See, he knows better. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Okay, the master said to him, look, man, you know I have widespread power. You know I have a big reputation far and wide out there. That should have scared you enough into obedience, at least. You should have had the assurance by my name, working under my name, with my good reputation, knowing that my reputation would have only made it easier for you to make good profits. If I took some money, a bunch of it, that Bill Gates gave me, and I go to a bank and say, hi, look at this, bam, and set it on the table, and they saw Bill Gates' name on it, they'd say, We're ready to do business with you. That should be easy profit. He's telling them, you know I had far and wide power. You should have used my name to make profit. It wouldn't have been too hard for you. Remember, he allocated to him what he was capable of doing, right? And so the servant was given less than the other two. Apparently, he had a little less experience than what the other two did, but at least he should have known Go dump it in a savings account somewhere, even with a small interest rate, that would have at least gained something back. You know, some of us have more business sense than others. I know it. I don't have a whole lot of business sense. I don't. Some of you are probably better at money. But any moron can take money to a bank and throw it in a savings account. At least you should have done that much, is what he's trying to tell him. You could have done at least a small interest rate, would have at least gained something back. The master was saying, you don't need to be a master businessman when it's my name backing the investment, not yours. My name is on it, not your name. You should have banked on that. You know I do business far and wide. You should have had enough faith in my name to produce something. Friends, we need to have enough faith in our master Jesus to know that we can go out there and produce something. Don't say, well, I'm not good at it. I'll leave that to the pastor. I'll leave that to others. No, you have been allocated what you can handle. And it's not on you. It's on his name. Produce something. But because of unbelief, he missed out on a huge blessing. No blessing because he made no profit. And so it's not as if the master asked him to do too big of a task to do. He could have handled it. The guy just chose not to. Because greed got in the way. I'm going to get that talent. 
for myself. That talent belongs to me. In America, not just America, the whole world, everybody looks at what they have and they go, this belongs to me. This is mine. No, it's not. Belongs to the Lord. Matthew 25 and 28, he said, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing means grinding. It's going to be like that because the intensity The suffering is going to be so severe, they're going to grind their teeth from it and weep. Now, the servant, apparently, he did not know what kind of man the master actually was. I know a lot of people, they think of Jesus, and they think, oh, Jesus would never do that. Uh, You need to know who Jesus is. This is Jesus telling the story here, by the way, okay? The unprofitable servant should have known that his unfaithful disobedience would provoke the master's wrath enough to get him thrown out into outer darkness, costing him everything, costing him everything. Not only did you not get to get the talent, but you had it taken away. Okay, I broke even. No, 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 you did not break even. You lost everything you had, everything. If you noticed, he switched the parable from parable mode to prophecy mode. Did you see that switch? He's talking about business, and all of a sudden, he switched into weeping, gnashing of teeth. Guys, that's hell. H-E-L-L, hell. There, I said it. It's real. It's there. He switched the parable. And I imagine when he said that, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, he didn't say in prison. He said, outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. That would have hit the disciples, bam, like, whoa, he just talked about hell, guys. Condemnation. It says, when the master returned, he came to settle accounts. Earlier in the story, it says, when the master came back, he came back to do what? I came to settle accounts with you. Friends, Jesus is coming back, and he's not coming back to go, tra-la-la-la-la, how's everybody doing? He's coming back to settle accounts. That means he's going to take what you're doing and evaluate, did you do it for you or did you do it for me? And he's going to divide it and say, you're either in trouble or well done, come into your master's joy. He's coming. But the people who think, all this is mine, my money's mine, my car is mine, my bank account, my house, all my investments, everything belongs to me, they don't believe the master's coming back. Because if they knew, if they believed the master was coming back, especially if they knew what he was going to do to them for not investing, guys, if they knew, they'd be busy. But they're not, because they choose not to. They're wicked, and they're lazy. We need to understand that a day is coming when all of us will be made to stand before Jesus to settle accounts with him. You and I will both have to do this. It's going to be heavy. But this is called the day of judgment, and every last one of us are going to have our day of judgment with the Lord. All of us are. Now, there's going to be two judgments. There's going to be one judgment for unbelievers, and that is called the great white throne judgment. You don't want to be anywhere near 
the great white throne judgment. That's the bad one. But then there is what's called the Bema seat judgment, where Jesus will determine the degree, how much eternal rewards a believer deserves based on how well they performed, with how well they invested what they were given back into the kingdom. You know, the Olympics, they start this Friday in Tokyo, Japan. They're about to start. Now, you watch when they give medals to the athletes. They're going to stand them up on that multi-level platform. And first is in the middle. Second and third are on either side. And the first is the highest, and then second, third accordingly. Do you know what that platform is called? That platform is called a bima. And that is where these athletes are going to be judged. Oh, judge, that's such a terrible word. No, it's not. They're going to be judged and rewarded according to how they performed on what they did right. I judge you first. Take this gold medal. I judge you second. Take the silver. I judge you third. Take the bronze. You have been judged and rewarded at the Bema for what you did right. Now, you don't want to be at the great white throne. That's the scary one. You want to be at the Bema judgment where you're rewarded on how you performed according to what you did right. So the Bema judgment is the one you want to be at. But the unprofitable servant had a different judgment than the other two faithful servants. He had a different judgment. He had everything taken away. The great white throne judgment is going to be where people have things taken away, cast into outer darkness. The unprofitable servant was punished because of his unbelief, and his unbelief caused him not to perform at all. Terrible. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. I actually look forward to that. I'm doing the best I can. I know there's a lot of dumb things I've done in my life that was not for the Lord. I'm going to lose that stuff, but I'm going to be rewarded. I have given my life to Jesus. I have eternal life. I'm going to pass through. But there's a lot of people, they don't believe the the master's coming back. And so they don't believe in him. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't perform. That's why they're not doing anything. But, you know, most people don't care to know their master well enough to understand that their unbelieving disobedience provokes God's wrath. They made up another Jesus. The Jesus I believe in is okay with anything I want to do because I love him. I know he loves me, so I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. No. The master said, I gave you this, go use it. And if you sit around doing nothing, you've got to answer for it when he does come back. They don't know their God well enough to know that their, their laziness provokes God's wrath and it's going to get them thrown into hell where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But for believers, in addition to salvation itself, okay, as if salvation wasn't already good enough, if that's all I got, that is pretty good. But you get more in addition to salvation. You also get rewards based on the performance you do of investing back into his kingdom. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.